Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round, John Elway. Welcome in, everybody, to Trickle Down Theories with your host, Eric Trickle. NFL draft. And with the first round, pick. Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought Detroit was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the drafts all about. Year in and year out. Welcome back to the draft. Wide receivers, running back. Tackle. Quarterback. Every year in the draft, there has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. On a shady Saturday. Welcome back to the draft. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Eric Trickle. And welcome to Trickle Down Theories. On Trickle Down Theories, we talk about all things NFL with a small focus on the Denver Broncos, as I am an analyst with MileHuddle.com. We talk about all things from signings, trades, rosters, team needs, anything and everything you could think of, basically. Joining me today is Nick Kendall. He's a colleague of mine at MileHuddle.com, and he's the host of Building the Broncos. Nick, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty well. Had a pretty good weekend. Got some nature in up in Decorah, Iowa. Good beer, kayaking, camping, hiking, you know, a lot of it. And now it looks like summer's about to hit here. It's about to be 90 degrees this upcoming week. So no spring, but glad summer's here and honestly, already looking ready to fall. Man, lucky you. We seem to can't get past April showers month. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been raining here like crazy too. Yeah, it's been raining and we've been dealing with hail. And just, what, two weeks ago, I think we had a quite a bit of snowfall too which is really weird for the month of may like normally we get snow up into april but may that's a little bit different yeah i mean it's we had snow up here i think april as well not may but i mean that's iowa compared to alaska so it's uh no no spring this year it seems like yeah it's been it's as i said it's been really weird and now we have the tourists that are starting to show up and they're clogging up our roads and making a trash of our local parks and stuff there's a reason why we have another name for tourists up here. I won't repeat it because it is kind of a rude name for them, but we just don't like them because they always seem to trash the place. And I, as much as I hate living here, it's a pretty nice place to live at. There's a lot of great scenery. There's a lot of great views. I live, for those of you who don't know, I've tweeted out a picture of what my front yard looks like. And it's a bluff where you overlook the beach and the and the water and mountains on the other side and all this stuff. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. And they come in and they trash it. Come June and July, once fishing starts, you can't walk on the beach because they just leave fish carcasses all over the place. It just, it really sucks. Yeah. You got to leave no trace, man. That's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you're just ruining the environment and ruining it for everybody. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we get some really nice guys, but for the most part, man, they're just rude. And then when you work at places, they come in and they're rude to you there. They seem to think that they're higher and better than you because... They have the money to come spend a whole summer down here in Alaska where they can take off work and everybody down here, that's the best time to be working here is during the summer because that's when you make cuckoo bucks because you can go work at the, I know people who go work at our local fish canneries and they work two months, June and July, and they make enough money to live on that for the rest of the year. They go, they walk out of there with $200,000. But it takes that long to get the fish smell off of them. Yeah. 
by the time, just by the time they start smelling decent again, like, and here you are, you go and work in there, and it's like twenty five dollars an hour for most of these places they start off with, and you go and you work eighteen hour days sometimes because of how busy the canneries are. Overtime's time and a half, so you just end up making ridiculous money. I've tried getting jobs there before in the past, and it just they've always get so many applications, it's hard to get a job there. But anyways, enough talking about Alaska and the fishing and all that stuff. Let's jump into this. Today, the show is we're going to be making our own 53-man rosters, and it's it's obviously based off of what the Broncos roster currently looks like. These are our opinions as to who we think should make it now and mixed with some of what we would do with the roster, some moves that we might make, some changes that we might make to the roster. And yes, this is being recorded on May 21st, and between now and September, there is a lot that's going to change. You're going to have training camp preseason. Unfortunately, injuries are going to happen Players are going to get banged up. You're going to see a lot of changes. You're going to see a lot of players getting cut, a lot of new players being brought in, and you can potentially even see trades coming. So there's not a lot that's going to be accurate here. We'll be looking at about 30 to 40 names that are going to be correct, simply because there are a bunch of no-brainers, like obviously Case Keenum, Vaughn Miller, Demarius Thomas, Bradley Chubb. There's obvious no-brainers that are making this roster. So those are guys that you can definitely count on it. But outside of those 30 to 40 names, then we're going to be kind of picking hairs up between here. And I'm actually really excited to see how things look differently between yours and mine. Nick, what about you? Well, mine's obviously going to be right. 100% correct, all 53. So I don't know what you're saying about that not accurate garbage. But no, I'm just kidding. I mean, there's going to be injuries, like you said. Things are going to happen. So just looking at the roster from the outside before training camp even open up, doing the best we can. And I'm excited to dig into it. I'm sure we're going to have a little bit of disagreements here and there. And I'm sure you'll convert convert me on some and maybe I'll convert you on some as well. So we'll see how it no. shakes out. If you think that you're going to convert me, obviously you don't know me very well. That's that's very true. <laughs> that very true. And I do want to point this out. And ask you, even though it's not really related to this, have you have have you ever had like I don't know a draft crush that you would absolutely pound the table for actually get drafted by Denver? I really love Justin Simmons. Really? Yeah, I really liked Justin Simmons. I thought he was an early to mid round player, and when he was there at the end of round three, I was like, oh my gosh, please take Justin Simmons, please take Justin. I loved his game, watching him just destroy that Notre Dame team. I think he had like three picks in that game. I was like, this is a this is a dude. So that's probably my one true draft crush that we took, and I was very excited to have. Man, just to rub it in your face, I, I want to make this clear. In what four of the last like six years, I think there's been a guy that I've absolutely there's been a guy that I've absolutely fallen in love with back in January prior to the draft, and I would absolutely pound the table for them. And Denver ended up drafting him. A couple of them have been first round picks. There's been, I mean, Bradley Roby and Der- or Derek Wolf wasn't a first round pick, but he was their first pick. Those are two guys I fell in love with January. My first mock for that year actually had both those players going to Denver in the early, and I think in the first round for Bradley Roby, and then in the late second for Derek Wolf. And then I also bring this up because Isaac Yadam this year, and then D'Angelo Henderson last year. I just had to bring that up. It has nothing to do with what the, today's topic is, but it was just a curious question that I had in mind. Man, don't don't throw your back out, you know, patting yourself so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Man, are you kidding me? With how big I am, I can't reach my back. Oh, don't don't put yourself down then too, man. You can't you can't, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> For the most part, I think we both got right around fifty three men. I, I know I have fifty two, and I'll explain why a little bit later. And you're right at fifty three, correct? Yes. All right. So those of you who want to do math at home, you don't need to. We've done the math ourselves. So let's kick this off with quarterbacks. Who do you have making it, and why? 
Keenum, Paxton, and Chad Kelly. I think they'll keep three. Paxton and Chad Kelly will be battling for second and third string, but I can't see one of those guys being established enough and doing well enough that you only carry two. So right now I have all three, but again, things could change. But, you know, you have that huge investment in Paxton Lynch. You still have a lottery ticket in Chad Kelly. That's what he is at this point, a lottery ticket. And Case Keenum's a guy you paid a lot. I, I just can't see them not going with those three, barring, you know, Chad Kelly doing something really stupid or maybe a, a good trade coming in for Paxton Lynch and then signing a, a veteran to be that second or third string guy. Yeah, I agree with your reasoning for it, but I do disagree. I think that only two quarterbacks make it simply because the Denver Broncos are one of those teams that they really don't want to take more than two quarterbacks. They said this last year, and they made it clear that the only reason why they did was because of an injury. Paxton Lynch got hurt, and they wanted to bring in a backup who was healthy behind Trevor Simeon, which is why they brought in Brock Osweiler. That is the only reason why they had three quarterbacks last year. Otherwise, they would have gone two. This year... I have Case Keenum and Paxton Lynch making it. I know a lot of Chad Kelly fans out there are going to be mad, but there's a few reasons why. And I can't, I'm not going to use that Chad Kelly's eligible for the practice squad because if my understanding and math is all correct, Paxton Lynch is actually eligible for the practice squad as well. But what it comes down to is the simple fact of investment. I know a lot of people believe that Chad Kelly was a high, was a was worth more than a seventh round pick, but the fact is he was still a seventh round pick and he was the last pick of the draft. There's not much of an investment in him, but there's a huge investment in Paxton Lynch. They traded up to get him. And everything that you hear John Elway and Vance Joseph say, and you can even go back to John Elway when they first drafted him, and you can hear them mention and talk about and hear it in their voice and the way they talk about him, that he was a player that was going to take a little bit of time. I mean, John Elway just recently mentioned that he was a multi-year project. This is something that everybody knew when he was drafted, that he was going to take time. He hasn't looked the part yet, but I think they give him one more year. And the final kicker as to why I don't think they actually keep Chad Kelly around is because it frees up about, I think like six hundred or $400,000 in cap space to get rid of him. And if they cut him, unlike Kyle Slaughter, I don't think that anybody would actually go and pick him up. And even so, with his change of attitude and all that stuff, I don't think that he would actually want to go somewhere else because Kyle Slaughter decided that he wanted to go to Minnesota instead of sticking around in Denver on the practice squad, which more power to him. That's his right. But I think that in the end, they're going to be keeping him around. Obviously, something can change. I think Paxton Lynch can get hurt. Or as you said, a big trade can come through or Chad Kelly do something really stupid. Obviously, variables in play. As for running backs, I'm actually going with a little bit more than what Denver normally takes. And the simple reason why is because I think that their primary return man is going to be coming from the running back position in Philip Lindsay. But outside of that, and with running backs, I should add that fullbacks are being included as well. That I So I have four running backs and then Philip Lindsay kind of as a returner. I don't have Andy Janovich making it simply because he's just kind of I don't know. He's his special teams play really took a step back this last year. He lost his lane discipline really, qu- really quite often, and it was really, really bugging me all year long that he d- just wasn't as disciplined. And his play on offense, he has a lot of hope. And when he has touched the ball a few times, it's been great plays. But he just can't develop the consistency on offense. So I think that they're in the end. They take Booker, Freeman, Henderson, and David Williams. They have two running backs in Freeman and Henderson who have those bigger bodies. Devontae Booker, he's not quite as big, but he can be kind of an elusive piece who can help pick up yards. And then D'Angelo Henderson and Philip Lindsay. And yes, I mentioned Philip Lindsay as a returner. He can contribute on offense. And those are your two big home run hitters that can make huge plays basically whenever they touch the ball. What about for you? I don't have Andy Janovich making it either. I see some other guys on this roster that can fulfill those fullback spots. And I know we have Musgraves, who's liked to use that fullback in the past, but Musgraves has said and all the offensive coaching and People in charge have said that they're going to build this offense to make Case Keenum comfortable. You know, so I don't really see a, a fullback being super, super duper utilized. You know, 
1990 anymore. And like you mentioned, Janovich, Janovich's special teams play a step back and he's not really super talented enough where you're, are you going to scheme plays for him offensively? Like is Andy Janovich that level of player? I haven't seen it. I didn't see it in college and I don't see it now. So I don't have Janovich making it. Instead, I have the four of the running backs you have listed making it. I have Booker, Freeman, D'Angelo Henderson, and Philip Lindsay. I don't have David Williams making it. I have him as the practice squad guy. But again, you know, running backs, I, I expect them to bring in another veteran free agent, kind of like Stephen Ridley last year, that'll compete. And I expect an injury to happen as well because running back's probably one of the most volatile positions. So, but right now I have Booker, Freeman, Henderson, and Lindsay with no official listed fullback. Although we'll, we'll talk about a player that I think has some fullback traits that can fill that role when they need it. Yeah, I'm sure that this is the guy that I'll mention too when we get around to that position. And as you mentioned, yeah, injuries can occur. I mean, last year, Devontae Booker, they were wanted him to take over that starting role but he got hurt so injuries obviously pay, play a big role in this and they definitely can bring in a veteran presence because they wanted booker despite his what going into year three in the nfl yes right? he doesn't yes. have that much experience really due to injuries in the past so they definitely can look for somebody that is ha, has that experience and there's another position too that i think they'll do that with but for now i have five guys making it you have four as for receiver, I only have five guys making it. Sorry, folks, but your fan, but the fan favorite Jordan Taylor, I don't have making it this year. And I mean, he does bring help as a special teams player. He has developed into a pretty decent returner. He's solid gunner. But when you come down to it, you have four receivers who are basically guaranteed a spot. And you're looking at five or six making it. I mean, Thomas Sanders, Sutton Hamilton, those guys are guaranteed a roster spot. And I don't think that they'll be ready to give up on Carlos Henderson, whom they just spent a third round pick on. So that's five of the six. So the only difference here is keeping a six receiver. I don't think they'll do that unless it's a guy who brings returner value. So obviously, as I mentioned, Taylor is an option here. But with Philip Lindsay and Toe, I don't think they end up bringing that six receiver. I have the same five. I have Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, and Carlos Henderson. I don't have Isaiah McKenzie, don't have Jordan Taylor, don't have Austin Craycraft, which is probably the best name on the team. And I don't have Kenny Bell or any of those other guys. So that's, we have the same five. And as I said, it just comes down to roster math. And in the end, you can't carry six receivers when you're not having one be a returner. And with Philip Lindsay, in my view, anyways, I'm not sure about Nick. Philip Lindsay can be that punt returner and kick returner. So you don't need that extra guy and there's a cornerback on this roster that i have making it that can help do that role as well as for tight ends i only have three making it this is one i really wanted to go for and i kind of left and as i said actually prior i only have 52 men on my roster only because i think that a veteran signing does happen and if there's one one position that i have to say that denver goes out and still signs it's tight end they are lacking experience at tight end they're two of the guys that they are expecting to have huge roles on offense this year and jake button troy from haven't taken an NFL snap yet. Jeff Hireman is the most experienced tight end that the Broncos have, and he I mean, he's not that experienced. So I think that they go out and get a guy, but I think Jake Butt, Troy Pumagalli, and Austin Trailer are the guys that I have making it for sure. Those are my three tight ends with one of, obviously, one as I mentioned, one of those veterans. But Austin Trailer, I'm pretty sure that you'll sit here and say the same thing. Austin Trailer is that player that I think would end up moving back and kind of playing that fullback role when it's needed. I'm pretty sure he did do some of that at Wisconsin as well. He has the body type to be that tight end fullback H back type and he blocks well in space and on the move. He can hit a moving target. So I think Austin Trailer's ability to play tight end as well as fullback and special teams just makes him an overall more dynamic player than Andy Janovich and gets him a roster spot. Is he going to be tight end two, tight end three? Yeah. I mean, in certain packages, yes, but right now I have four tight ends making. It. I do have Jeff Hireman making it. That said, he's the one on the most, most likely the roster bubble, but this tight end 
position group is just not very good right now. It's probably one of the the worst slash less known tight end positional groups in the entire NFL. There's hope for Jake Butt, Austin Trailer, Troy Fumagalli, all guys that I have making it, including Jeff Hireman, but there's a lot of unknowns. So I agree with your assessment that they're looking, probably looking to bring in a free agent tight end that can help solidify the group. And in that case, I think Hireman would probably be the guy out. But in this instance, we're not bringing in free agents. So I have but Hireman, Trailer, and Fumagalli making it. Yeah, and that's one thing that one reason why I kind of copped out and only had 52 men is to leave open that spot. Simple fact is, is, as I mentioned, the Broncos are so inexperienced at tight end. They need somebody and a veteran would be able to help bring these young guys along and give them that experience. As for offensive tackle, I only have three players making it. Garrett Bowles, Jared Vildier, and Menelik Watson. You have Bowles and Vildier as your starters at left tackle and right tackle, and Menelik Watson being that swing tackle backup, but he can also come down and contribute at guard. And then when we get to guard, I have Ron Leary, Connor McGovern, Billy Turner, and Sam Jones. This is where some the versatility of offensive linemen kicks in. Billy Turner, they really liked last year playing on that right side of the offensive line before he got hurt, both at guard and at tackle. So he would be an option to come in and play tackle as well, provided he's able to stay healthy. Sam Jones, they've been mentioning about seeing time at center, as well as guard. Connor McGovern can be a center and a guard. So the versatility here is what's the key being able to move guys around. And then at center, you have Matt Paradis and J.J. Dialman. So Dealman, he can play center guard, McGovern center guard, Jones center guard, Turner tackle guard, Watson tackle guard. And the fact that Watson can play four of the five positions and Billy Turner can play four of the five positions, even though that they're, that Turner is better on the right side than he is on the left side, he still has that versatility to play both sides. And versatility is the key to the game now, especially along the offensive line. The more that a player can do, the better. So the versatility here, that's one thing that I was going with, with most of the backups and even one starter being able to play more than one position on the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I actually have 10 guys making it of this group. I went back and forth on Max Garcia, but couldn't carry 11 offensive linemen. That would be silly. So (laughs) I have Max Garcia not making it. Hopefully you can get a seventh round conditional pick for him or something like that. I mean, if you can get a fifth round pick for Sam Brelo, then you can probably get a pick for Max Garcia. Somebody will be interested in a guy that can at, has at least log starting snaps at guard. But for me, I have Bowles and Cyrus Kwanjo making it. Ronald Leary, J.J. Dallyman, Sam Jones, Matt Perdis, Connor McGovern, Billy Turner, Jared Veldier, and Menelik Watson. And you mentioned Sam Jones, probably a guy that's going to play center. That guy has 31-inch arms, So and he's not he's not very big, not very heavy. He's very slender. And doesn't play with a lot of power, so if he better make it at center. Because if you're going to play this gap power scheme that Musgraves and the Broncos want to do, you can't have a guard with that limited frame and power. I just, I just can't see it. He's still, I think he came out a year early because of the regime change at Arizona State. Yeah, he's going to have to play center in Denver if he, if he wants a chance. Yeah, I agree, and I almost didn't put him on my roster. Instead, I almost put Kwanjo and at tackle instead. But I think that. I don't know. The sense I get is that Denver just has a lot higher hopes for him than I do and that they really hope that he's able to show out and make the roster. But I don't have much faith in him doing just that. So, But in the end, obviously, I put him on my roster. Now, before we get to the defense, I want to remind you listeners to please give us a click. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please go take the time. Go rate and subscribe and let your voices be heard on how well you enjoy not just my show, but the other shows that the Huddle Up Podcast Network brings you. They're all great shows and they're all worth a listen. And as I said, we're so appreciative of you guys because without your downloads and clicks and sharing us already, we wouldn't be able to do something that we love to do. So please just go and help spread the word around. 
Now, as for the defense, obviously there's a little bit more guaranteed names, I would say, on defensive side of the ball. So it's a little bit easier. I think there's a couple positions that you're going to be looking at and might hear some differences. But I think for the most part, mine and yours will look the same. So do you want to kick us off with the defensive line? Yeah, for sure. I I actually had a pretty hard one on this one. I don't know, went back and forth. So for defensive line, if you're not including the off, the outside linebackers, I have Gatsis making it. We're not going to... We're not sure exactly what's going to happen with his uh, case right now, but I have him making the roster because going to wait and see on that one. I have Clinton McDonald, a guy that I feel like people aren't talking about enough. He was very productive for Tampa Bay last year, and they paid him decent money to bring him in. I have Damato Pecco starting nose tackle, and then my backup nose tackle. I actually have Zach Kerr. I don't have Kyle Pecco making it right now. Just didn't have a spot for him with all the defensive line that the Broncos have. Zach Kerr can play five tech, three tech, and he can play some zero and one as well. I think he's up like 335, so he definitely has the size to do it. And with how much sub package the Broncos play, they can rotate some bodies in there. You don't need to have two just pure dose tackles. Then I also have Derek Wolf making it, of course. Shelby Harris, who was really good last year. He flashed a lot watching him. Good pass rusher. And Demarcus Walker, who I'm hopeful will show better this year now that he's playing inside again and hopefully back up to 275 to 290-ish in his weight range. And I don't think that we have a single name that's different. Obviously, Derek Wolf and Dama Tapeco, those are two guys that have been, that were staples of the defensive line last year. Shelby Harris, he really came on last year and put up five and a half sacks, which was, what, second most on the team? I think so, yes. I did an article a few months back about it, and he actually had a higher sack rate this last year than Malik Jackson did the year that Denver won the Super Bowl. So he was able to get pressure, and he was playing in a limited amount of snaps too, so hopefully he's able to get a bigger role. Then they weren't happy with their interior pressure, so they went and got Clinton McDonald. He's going to help get that pressure on the interior. Hopefully Demarcus Walker, I have him making it as well. Hopefully he's going to be able to be back at 280. He got sick last year, he lost a bunch of weight, and then they got hurt at outside linebacker, and they asked him to move as a result and lose even more weight and once they started putting him back inside towards the end of the season he was able to i think is where he notched his only sack last year was rushing from the interior that showed some potential there and hopefully he's able to develop and then adam god says as you said we don't know what's going on with the investigation yet he is a guy who has an asterisk by his name simply because if more stuff is found out he's found guilty or any charges are filed then we can be looking at something more if we've learned anything from the Reuben Foster situation is that you don't jump to conclusions. You let the whole thing pan out and see what is able to be discovered because everybody wanted to jump to conclusions about Reuben Foster. And it turns out that it was all basically a lie. And then Zach Kerr, as you said, I think his versatility is what makes him take the roster spot over Kyle Pecco. And not to mention, Kyle Pecco was that 54 guy last year. He was the guy who, when they needed to make a cut and sign someone else, he was the guy gone. Then when they brought in somebody temporarily, he was the guy brought in. He was that 54th guy that was back and forth on and off the roster, which is one reason why I think that he's ends up off the roster this year, especially in place for Zach Kerr. As for outside linebacker, I have a big surprise coming. I think in sometime in training camp, I think Shane Ray ends up getting moved. I know that Denver was trying to move him or Shaq Barrett during the draft. Nothing came to fruition there, so they but they still have interest in it. They declined his fifth year option. They'll want to try to guarantee them getting something, but he obviously he can still make the roster. They can see what he does this year and they have options for after this year without picking up his fifth year option. Anyways, they have the franchise tag, stuff like that that they can work with and go from there. But I have Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Shaq Barrett, and Jeff Holland making it. I think the undrafted free agent pass rusher was a guy who should have been drafted 
and he's going to be a guy that I think catches eyes, catches attention, and gets a spot on this roster one way or another, even if they have to bring five outside linebackers. And then obviously Miller, Chubb, and Barrett, I think those are all guys that are guaranteed a roster spot. After the draft, and they were unable to move Shaq Barrett, they started talking to him about an extension as well. So we'll see what happens there. But as I said, I think those are three guys that are guaranteed a spot. Yeah, for me, I have actually have five because I don't, I'm not projecting any trades or anything like that. I would be totally okay with Shane Ray being moved if that's what they want to do. But right now I don't have Ray not on the roster. So I have the obvious four, Von Miller, Chubb, Barrett, and Ray. And then I also have Jeff Holland making it. So before I was talking with you, I didn't have Holland making it before we started recording this podcast. But digging a little bit into the numbers of how many offensive linemen they keep and whatnot. Holland was that guy that I was going back and forth on. So keeping him on the roster. And if they trade Ray, then you can make moves or space elsewhere, you know, maybe keeping another wide receiver or something else on the team, maybe another defensive back. Yeah, for sure. I have a question for you. If you are moving Shane Ray, what is the compensation you are looking for? I would be looking for a fourth or fifth round pick. That's it. I mean, I know it's just one year, but I know Edge Rush is still a premium. I'd be looking for a four plus a conditional pick. I mean, I mean, I think that there'd be a conditional pick involved as well. But I think if you want to free up a roster spot, you're going to be willing to take a little bit less. So a fourth or fifth round pick, I think, would be decent because you're only getting one year. He's a guy who's had some pretty major injury concerns. Context of the sacks that are the issue with most of his sacks coming more than three seconds after the snap. So I think that there's other issues in play with his play that would keep it from getting that fourth and maybe like a conditional sixth round pick. I, I mean, I would love it, but you never know. I mean, plus more to your point, though, is the first round pick. He still has been able to flash potential. So maybe a team that really wants to take a chance ends up offering more. But with what I heard that the one offer that was made for him during the draft, I don't think Denver gets that. So I think they'll have to settle for less. Ah, that's too bad. Plus, without knowing how he'll play this year, I think that they would actually be better served him making the roster, playing, and then trading him before the trade deadline. Because then you have some idea of how his play has been, which would help his value in a trade. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a fine balance between if you think you can keep him this year and he plays well, you have to weigh the difference between what you'd get via a trade and what he potentially could bring in via a comp pick. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a fine balance. You know, I I get wanting to get a fifth round pick this year, but he's an edge rusher. Somebody's going to see that first round tag still on his head. I mean, he's a pass rusher. He's flash pass rushing potential. And, you know, he's always had injuries and whatnot in Denver. Maybe we can pay him and he'll get something. So you think you'll probably get a higher than a fifth round comp pick? Probably it's around that fourth or fifth round. So it's got to have to be a higher rate for me to want to trade him than what I think he would get back via a compensatory pick. Yeah, and also is that basically whatever option you choose, you're kind of playing with fire a little bit. Because if you trade him beforehand and he ends up shining and doing that, you're going to get ripped apart because you got a lot less in value than return than you should have. Whereas if you keep him and he trade him before the season, then you really don't know how he's going to finish the season. He could end up getting hurt and then the other team will be well i mean you can't control injuries but so the other team wouldn't be too mad but you could end up if there's a conditional pick around there you could end up losing that conditional pick and losing them for nothing the other team you have will be would be hesitant at that point i mean even if he's dealt with injuries before the hat that trade deadline they have to worry about the offseason with him being on the last year of his contract or you can keep him from the year 
and see how he does and let's let him walk and try to get a compensatory pick, which if he does really well, you can get a third round compensatory pick or you can get nothing and you can let him walk and get, I mean, basically without rambling on and on and on, no matter what, you're kind of playing with fire with the situation a little bit. But the odds of getting as badly burned as Denver could have, if they picked up his option, they won't get nearly as bad badly burned if things don't pan out. So that's why it was smart for him to do that. Now to get the show on the move again, we're going to get to inside linebackers. Denver pretty historically has taken four or five. I've gone a little bit light here with only four of them instead of the five, simply because quite frankly, I don't think Zaire Anderson is deserving of a roster spot. I don't think he has been deserving a roster spot for quite some time now. And I think he's just a little bit overrated because he makes one or two splash plays against that third unit offensive line during preseason. Something that we see happen with both receivers and quarterbacks and corners throughout the every year in Denver. Make a, spa, make a couple splash plays during the preseason against third strings and you're the next great thing. Zara Anderson, whenever he does get time against the twos or the ones, it's nowhere near as pretty. So I don't think he makes it. Instead, I have Brandon Marshall, Josie Jewell, Todd Davis, and Keishon Barrera making the roster. Um, two guys who, I mean, you're kind of limited athletically there, but even with Zara Anderson, you're still limited athletically. You have guys who can contribute on special teams. You have leaders in Jewel and Barrera, as well as Marshall. You have guys who can cover, defend the run. I think a lot of people are making a bigger deal about Jewel's lack of athleticism and speed than there really is. I mean, I know I've, won, I've been harping on that, but I also can tell that he makes up for it with his brains, his instincts, that it doesn't hold him back like it does a lot of other guys. So uh, in the end, as I said, only four. You have pretty good versatility here, even though you are limited in an athlete, but still. You have a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things for your linebacker core. I have the same four making it. I can't really disagree to add further about Zaire Anderson not making it over the two rookies. Just years of cost control. I mean, you got these guys for four years and Zaire Anderson's, I believe he was an exclusive rights free agent. So next year, you'd have to put a pretty big restricted free agent on him. Obviously, he hasn't played worth that. So it's it's as much about the contract as it is anything. And obviously, you're not going to get rid of Josie Jewell with him being an early fourth round pick. So I'll keep those guys and Broncos are potentially in the market again for off-ball linebacker next season, depending on what happens with Davis and Brandon Marshall, both guys who have contracts that are pretty easy to get out of if the team needs to. And either of those guys either is replaced by Josie Jewell or just steps back or anything like that. Yeah, and to be fair, Anderson, I think he's been a special teams captain or a leader on special teams for a few years. So the leadership isn't that big of an issue, like I kind of said. But if he were to make it, it'd be over Barrera. But in the end, I just don't think that he does make it. I think Barrera offers a little bit more on defense than Anderson does. And four years cost control. And cost control. And as for corners, I only have five guys making it. I have five defensive backs in general making it. I mean, Chris Harris, Isaac item Bradley Roby Tremaine Brock and Brendan Langley this is in no way in any order of how I think they will be on the depth chart by the way for any of the positions this was just me typing them out Chris Harris Bradley Roby and Isaac Yidem I think they're all guys who can be written in stone Tremaine Brock he actually is an interesting one due to him only being on a one-year deal but I think in the end he makes it Brendan Langley he was a former third round pick that I think Denver would want to keep around I think that they're hoping that he can get a bigger role on the field this year primarily on special teams he was a raw project when they drafted him and they know this that he wasn't going to come in and make a big impact on defense like a lot of people wanted he supposedly has shown some growth as the season went on during practices so we'll see what happens on the field this year but if somebody were to of this group were not to make it it would be Langley obviously with I think the first four guys being cemented in basically written in sharpie written in stone whatever terminology you want to use for this roster written in blood gosh we listeners we did not talk to each other other than make a 53-man list before the podcast you know didn't share it with each other 
I have the exact same five cornerbacks making it. Langley, Yadam, Brock, Roby, and Harris Jr. And Langley, not only, you know, talking about special teams, more specifically, I think he's a guy who can be a gunner. He can, you know, work on returns. He can be a returner or a type that blocks for returners. So that special teams versatility, I think he can play all four phases of special teams. So I think he'll make the team. And I honestly thought he looked solid. Not great but like he flashed potential last year in preseason and then when he was asked to come in and fill in for I think it was Tlaib in that Raiders game that's yeah. when he kind of got exposed but I mean Crabtree's a pretty solid receiver and Cooper is too and Langley's raw for a reason so I'm expecting a, a pretty solid jump this year and I'm excited to see him I think the small sample size and being beat left a bad taste in many Broncos fans mouths but I mean he's still a kid he's raw third round comp pick and the fact that he saw the field at all he, he shouldn't have seen the field at all I mean in a perfect situation he wouldn't have seen the field very much last year besides special teams so hopefully this year he'll take another step forward he has a solid mentality he's not shy from contact and he's I think he's got a role on this team I'd be surprised if any of these five didn't make the roster I agree and I actually agree he actually looked pretty good last year in preseason preseason yes he did I, I mean and he was playing again I think there was one game where he ended up seeing action against the a team's number two receiver and he actually played pretty decently yeah but again it's what happens on but on defense that matters and what happens during the season it was a guy who was as you mentioned going in for a keep to lead against a guy who's one of the not the best receivers but one of the better receivers and he was faced up against amari cooper and michael crabtree two guys that have been in the nfl for either some who have either been in the nfl for some time or are one of the better receivers in the nfl so it was obviously some issue there and his defense or his play on special teams is actually a lot stronger than people think i remember going back over the season and noting special teams plays and he was a guy who stood out pretty consistently he was one of the guys who was remaining the most disciplined on defense or on special teams which is really key when you're on coverage duty it's a big issue of staying in your lane you have to shut down your lane you have to keep your lane under control because if you lose that lane discipline you're going to give up a big return and he was one guy who was consistently in his lane shutting down his lane and forcing the returner to go another way so he was a guy that i definitely thought stood out on special teams and when you're looking at that fifth cornerback what's the one thing that you're looking for what do they bring to special team basically the guy who's on the bottom of the bottom of the position for every position you're looking at what do they bring to special teams Brandon Langley brings a really good guy really good player on special teams despite his rawness because he has that raw athleticism that he can use to basically be effective on special teams as for safety again this is another one where I project a move coming with Darian Stewart in the end I don't think he makes it I know his roster guaranteed but they can still trade him and free up some space after June 1st and open up some cap room this year which would help them bring in a veteran signing maybe that veteran tight end I mentioned earlier but I have Sua Cravens Justin Simmons those two being the starters Simmons would move over and kind of take that free safety role basically how Denver ran their safeties they kind of inverted it a little bit with Darian Stewart taking more of that strong safety role and Justin Simmons playing more of that free safety role, but they at times they also switched that. So it was versatility from their safeties, basically. They had them playing both kind of roles. Justin Simmons was a definitely decent when he was playing a little bit closer to the line, but he was a little bit better when he was in coverage in that free safety-like role, and Sua Cravens, I think, complements him a little bit better than Darian Stewart. Well, Parks, I think, makes it simply because he's been a decent special teams player. I think he's a little bit overrated on defense. He's a little bit overrated on special teams. He's gotten knocked down the penalties. Otherwise, he will be off this roster rather quickly. I don't think he's actually guaranteed a spot at all. In fact, if I had to put Stewart on this roster, I'd actually probably take Parks off of it. And the other two safeties I have are DeMonte Thomas and Jamal Carter. DeMonte Thomas last year was better when he saw a field on defense than Jamal Carter was. And Jamal Carter actually fills that role that Will Parks does a little bit better than DeMonte Thomas. So it's a matter of the roles they fill. So I think that's one reason why I think Will Parks would be off the roster if Stewart were to make it. 
additionally, along with the penalties that Will Parks brings with him, because a lot of his penalties are stupid penalties. Penalties where he loses control, gets emotional, and basically loses discipline. I have this, so we're going to be a little bit different here. I do have Will Parks making the team and Darian Stewart, as well as obviously Cravens, Simmons, and sorry, my document closed here. Oh, that's it. I only have four. Let me start that one more time. So yeah, mine's a little bit different here. I have Justin Simmons and Darian Stewart listed as the starters, but I think Cravens, I mean, we'll have to see how he looks in camp and everything. But right now I have Cravens as that third safety. I think it's going to depend on the package. And I honestly think we're going to see more three safety looks if the Broncos keep Stewart than this team has had for a while. I mean, when you've had three good cornerbacks and Roby, Tlaib, and Harris, good's probably an understatement. You're not going to see as much of that three safety look. You're not going to have many six defensive back looks. I mean, there'll be some, but not a majority. So I think we're going to see way more three safety looks if they keep Stewart. And I have Will Parks making it, but that's, I mean, his spot is the least guaranteed. I had Jamal Carter written down. I had Marcus Rios written down and I had Thomas written down as well. So that fourth safety spot is totally up in the air and special teams will definitely be a big part of it. And Parks is a guy, you know, talking about the discipline on special teams. That's something he just... He just doesn't play with, whether it be on defense or on special teams. So we'll see about that fourth safety spot. But I, I'm not sure about who will take that spot or if they're going to keep five safeties. Because like you were, we were talking about before the podcast, typically Denver carries 10 defensive backs, and I only have nine. So that's probably where that third corner, third quarterback comes in, that difference there. But right now I only have nine, and that's, that's how I'll keep it until I see some of these guys' plays and some other moves potentially shake up the roster. Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned before, he'd finish off and get to special teams because no one really cares about special teams. I, I just go out and throw this out there. When we get closer to season, we got to do this again. Yeah. And we got to keep these documents and we got to be able to see how much, how well, or how much things have changed for us. Obviously, by players getting moved, by what we see in training camp, probably somewhere like around the third preseason game would be perfect. You get either two or three games under their belt and able of tape on these guys and what they're able to do. So, definitely something that we're going to have to redo down the road. But for special teams to finish us off, I don't think there's any argument here, and I'm pretty sure both of ours are going to be the same. And we've got King, right, at punter. I actually have Todd Sauerbrunn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course. Arquette King. Long snapper. Kreider. Yep. And kicker. McManus. Yep. So no difference there. Basically, I think there's only competition left at long snapper. I don't yeah. think they have another punter or kicker anymore. And I mentioned before on Twitter or something like that about being cutting costs at long snapper a little bit. But I went and dove deep into it, and you don't save much money. I don't think you save any money, really, by making a change at long snapper. And he's been a guy who's been effective for them. So I don't see any movement there. All right. Yeah. Any parting comments before we get out of here? Looking over your depth chart that you have in front of you, any areas of obvious need on this roster? Areas that have good starters but weak depth? Areas that don't have great starters but strong depth? Anything that sticks out? Definitely tight end. Yeah. Definitely. I think that is the weakest position on the roster because if you look at somewhere else, I mean, you can make an argument for running back as well simply because they lack that one established veteran presence there. But tight end is just, you don't have anybody who has a lot of experience or good experience. I mean, at least at wide receiver, you have Thomas and Sanders. At offensive tackle, you have Bowles, who was a starter last year. Leary, McGovern, Paradis, guys who have played quite a bit. Jared Bildier, who's been a starter basically his whole career when he's been healthy. Defensive line, you have a lot of guys who played last year. Outside linebacker, you have Miller, Barrett, and Raya for your roster. Inside linebacker, I mean, it's a little bit weaker because you have Marshall and Davis as the only guys with experience, but Jewel and Brer, they shouldn't have any issues. Cornerback, it's a little bit new for the team, but Brock has a lot of experience. Isaac Yidem, I think, will be able to pick things up. Safety, again, you have some guys with experience. So in the end, looking at it, 
I mean, if I had to order it, it'd probably be tight end, running back, and then maybe safety or inside linebacker just for lack of experience. So that's why, as I mentioned during the podcast, I think that if they were to sign a veteran, it would definitely be at tight end. Yeah, I I can't disagree. I'm actually really surprised looking at the names. The front seven looks pretty darn good, especially the defensive line, if you're including the edge rushers, the outside linebackers. Keeping Ray, I mean, you got... So many good names. Gatsas, McDonald, Pecco, Kerr, Wolf, Harris. Walker's got potentially flashed in that Chiefs game playing inside. Chubb, Barrett, Vaughn, Shane Ray. I mean, that's that's a pretty good front or front of the defensive line, which is probably the most important aspect of any defense. So I'm excited about that. I don't I'm not sure about a dominant starter on that interior defensive line. Gatsas has flashed potential, but it's been more as a, a gap controller and a run stuffer than a pass rusher. Hopefully year three will bring more of that, but we'll see about his legal case. And Wolf, I love Derek Wolf. I love the mentality, but injuries and age are getting up there. I mean, he's he plays with reckless abandon and it definitely shows in his body and sometimes in his tape as well. So we'll see, but I'm excited. I think this is a, a solid team. It's going to come down to staying healthy, of course, as always. Improvements in coaching and whether or not Case Keenum is a legit quarterback. And the offensive line being better as a cohesive unit, but that has as much to do with the development of guys on there and the the coaching improving there. So hopefully Kugler can make a big difference with that group. Definitely. And I know we're running a little bit long on this podcast, but actually talking about this actually raised an interesting question that I wanted to ask you. On paper, this Broncos roster, about where would you put it in the AFC? In the AFC? Yes. Probably about middle of the pack. Really? I, I have them eight and eight right now, but I put a big weight on quarterback. And Case Keenum is still a huge question for me. Quarterback yeah, can overcome think- a lot. And the, I have a huge question with the head coach as well. I Granted, that's not the roster, but it's just, it, I feel like it pulls it down. So a little bit above the pack, middle of the pack, but I, I see the Broncos right now probably, I was talking with actually David today on Twitter, and right now I have the Broncos going 8-8 eight and eight and finishing third in the AFC West with the Chiefs going 9-7 and seven and the Chargers going 11-5. and five. Hmm. See, I don't know if you listened to the podcast last week, but I actually talked about the state of the AFC West. And I have actually Denver finishing second, but they can compete with first because I really think that the Chiefs and the Raiders take a big step back. I think Mm -hmm. the Chiefs made so many changes and they have so many question marks about that roster in general and that I don't think that they look very good. And I have a lot of doubts about Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he was as great as people make him out to be against Denver last year. Oh, don't tell Luke. Don't tell Luke. I think his preseason was pretty solid, but last year again, I don't, I, I just don't think he's that great. So I think Denver finishes finishes in the second in the division. But looking over the rosters in the AFC, I think they have a top six roster on paper. I think that there are four, maybe five better rosters on paper than Denver's, and you have the Chargers, the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Jaguars. And I feel like I'm missing somebody. Texans are up there. I mean, they got a solid defense and a lot of weapons around that guy. The I don't I mean, I can't really disagree with you because the AFC East is absolutely horrible outside of the Patriots. Like none of those teams make me excited. Those rosters look bad. The Ravens, I think that they're they're just they have so many question marks. They have some talent on there, but there's so many question marks and it all comes down to the quarterback play. And you mentioned the Texans and I think the Texans and Titans are the two closest teams to Denver on paper. Yes, I agree, except they have more legit quarterbacks, in my opinion. They do, but I think the Titans have a lot more holes overall on the roster. Yes. I think they overachieved last year. Yeah. And the Texans, Watson was solid last year when he played, but I don't think he was as fantastic or great as so many people make him out to be. It's the, it's the fantasy people. 
He put up yeah. a bunch of fantasy stuff, chucking the ball down the field. They got weapons for him to do that, but like it was not super. Like they'll be if he would have stayed healthy, there would have been some regression to those numbers. Yes. Absolutely, the definitely the fantasy people overrate his play, and I think that their offensive line is complete garbage. Yes, I think they have some holes on defense as well. I mean, they have a good front group, front seven, well, front four, five, but they have some issues at linebacker. They have some issues in the secondary that I think that. Denver has the slight edge over them, but obviously it all comes down to play. If we're getting Keenum from last year, I think they are definitely a top six roster. Yes. If we're not getting Keenum from last year, then they could be somewhere in that middle of the pack. Yep. Looking over the AFC East and the NFC also, it's a loaded question. Cause looking at the Broncos, I have them probably about an eight and eight team, but gosh, the NFC is so much better than the AFC right now. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, <laughs> what a turn of events because it wasn't it was just a few years ago like four or five years ago that it was the afc was so strong and the nfc was so weak yeah it's not even it's not even close like looking at the nfc north i mean the broncos you could argue the broncos would finish last in the nfc north yep. because the bears have the added NFC south so as well nfc south as well i mean yeah and seattle honest to god might finish last in their division and they're still a solid team like seattle might be the worst team in the nfc west in any of those nfc divisions i can see denver really being the last team there yeah in the division washington i mean they have a pretty good roster they have a decent quarterback giants that's the only team that might challenge denver for the worst team in the nfc west there's three divisions or four divisions in all four divisions in the NFC East where you can see it legitimately argue three or four. Cause I'm not so sure about the NFC East anyways, three or four, three of the divisions of three of the four divisions where you can argue, make an argument for at least one of the two for at least two different teams winning the division. Yeah. I mean that I could definitely make that argument because I can make the argument for the 49ers and the Rams yep. and even the Seahawks, if they're able to get better play from their offensive line, yep. yeah, I can make that. And who knows what Josh Rosen's going to do with the Cardinals, but with the NFC South, you have the Falcons, you have the saints, you have the Panthers and you have, even have the bucks who really improved this year. Yeah. Their defensive the, line's much better. You have the Eagles and then you have the, you have Washington or the, or the Cowboys, which that's the one division that I can't really make that argument for. I can hear it, but I can't make it. And then yeah. at NFC North, it's all up in the air. I mean, you don't know what the Packers are going to do. You don't know how big of a step forward the Bears might take. You don't know what the Vikings are going to do. You don't know what the Lions are going to do. Like, even on paper, those rosters are tremendously talented. But Yeah, AFC, not so much. AFC East, honestly, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bills might be three of the five worst teams in the NFL next year. So congratulations, New England. I think of the top eight teams in the NFL draft next year, I think six of them will be AFC teams. Yep. Right. That's how that's how bad. And I think top seven of the top 10. That's how bad the AFC is this year. Yeah, not great. I want to thank you all for listening to Trickle Down Theories. Please, as I said before, leave a like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH and my own at Eric Trickle. You can always reach us there with any kind of question and we're always more than willing to respond. We love the interaction with you fans, listeners, and the readers of our content. It's without your support or because without your support, we wouldn't be here where we are. So we thank you for that. And also follow at Huddle for all of our written work from MyLiHuddle.com and the Huddle Up podcast for podcasts that are regular focused on the Denver Broncos, which includes Nick's show, which Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about what building the Broncos kind of focuses on a little bit better than I could. It's all things Denver Broncos. I mean, it's roster building focused, but when the season comes back around, we'll probably get back in that niche of doing our scouting reports and identifying matchup weaknesses of opposing teams and just general scouting of them. So you're better prepared as a fan, knowing the matchups going into it. But we've been reviewing the draft. We just finished that this week. We're going to review the rest of the AFC West 
you know, wrapping up the entire draft of the AFC. And then after that, we're going to have uh, JR, J. Reed from Draft Twitter come on and talk Case Keenum and the Broncos draft as well. So definitely, definitely a view from roster building perspective. And, you know, that's that's what we love doing. We're not I wouldn't say we're armchair GMs because we're not here trying to propose stupid fantasy Madden trades all the time. But no, that's know, my job. Yeah, that's that's your job. <laughs> but rather a, a hard non-biased as we can be look at the roster and how the team can improve and weaknesses and strengths from a, a game to game and season to season perspective. Anyways, guys, I had a great time with you, Nick, as I always do for Nick. I'm your host, Eric trickle. Thank you all for listening to trickle down theories and have a wonderful day. Mile high huddle.